Welcome to The Fight with Teddy Atlas, presented by Dynamic Striking. I'm Ken Rideout, joined as always by the great philanthropist and the voice of all combat sports, the legend Teddy Atlas. Teddy, how you doing? Good. Not as good as you. My hair's not perfectly cropped and groomed and <laughs> glued down and everything else as yours is. It's impressive. It's very, it's impressive. There's something to be said about consistency with anything, even hair. Um, <laughs> Speaks to my insecurities that everything has to be perfect with my hair. If I was more confident, I wouldn't care. You did just get a haircut, I guess, right? I mean, it looks like it. It's, it's Last nice. week. All right. Well, Last week. They, and and a trim in between, like you, you don't get a normal haircut. You get a haircut, and then you, and then you, you have uh, maintenance, wish. maintenance work. I I wish I wish I had that luxury. I ran a race yesterday. We haven't talked about it, but I I, I jumped into a race at the last minute, the Memphis Marathon. I was looking at the results. There's no pro field. I was like, I bet I can get a sneaky win in this big race. And I end up coming in third. I was leading through um, 18 miles and then two young guys passed me, one at 18 and one at 23 as I was suffering like a dog. But uh, I got third place overall out of a few thousand. So uh, end of the year. That's great. And and what, um, what time? Uh, uh, 2.30, somewhere around there? 2.34. All right. The, the crazy I, thing is if I could have run the same in Chicago, the course was similar. If I could have run a 230 or 229, I would have won. The kid who won ran 230-20, and then the kid in second ran 230-130. So it's frustrating to know I could have if I got everything right. But How old were they? How old were they? Uh, the kid who won, I think, was 20 to 24, and the kid in second was 30 to 34, or yeah. vice versa. So one yeah. kid was like young 30s, one was young 20s. Yeah, and what are you now? Um, 52. 50, 52. No, that's great. You did great. You know, that's great. Hey, Christmas is here, and uh, or close. And I was just thinking that a couple things. One, that, you know, what a magical time of the year Christmas is. And, and the real... I get reminded how magical it is because I got... I got four grandchildren, one in Vegas, a little buddy, Teddy. He's five years old. And then I have four of them now, uh, three of them now living with me and Elaine. And two of them have been living with us almost the last four years since COVID. And when they moved in with us for a couple months, and here we are four months later, they're still here because, you know, they never, they never, got around to getting a house. They were going to buy a house. They had sold their house in Jersey, my daughter and her husband, and they were going to stay with us a couple months because during COVID you couldn't really go house shopping. We're just glad they stayed. And they uh, here we are four years later approximately, and now they got a house, a beautiful house they bought in uh, Rumson, New Jersey, and they're going to be moving in a couple weeks. And it's, you know, it's tough. It's tough. It's it's heartbreaking, to be honest. I mean, they're only... My grandson reminded me, you know, you want the truth, uh, you just talk to a kid. I was feeling down. <laughs> That's yeah, for sure. I was just feeling sorry for myself, like, I, I don't know what I'm going to do without them. And um, my grandson tells me the other day, he goes, Papa, it's not that difficult. All you have to do is sell your house and buy a house near us. That's all you have to do. <laughs> or, or he gives me an option. He's so smart. Six years old. He goes, or you just move in with us. 
It's your choice. <laughs> but you don't have to be alone. You don't have to be without us, Papa. You don't have to be without us. That's nice. And then he told me also that he's going to have a bunk bed, and I can his sister be on the bottom, he'll be on the top. I can share the top bunk bed with him. Uh, and I said, what if it gets crowded? If it's too, you know, if, it, if we don't have room? He said, I just sleep on the floor. Now, <laughs> I, I, it reminds me how just the innocence of youth and and everything that goes with it, you know, like even selflessness. I mean, I don't think that I would share my top bunk with, uh, you know, <laughs> so easily. But a six-year-old, yeah, no problem. But I'll just finish on that. I'm just... The Christmas season coming. I hope everyone has a, as it gets closer, we'll get into it more. But I just hope everyone has a great season because, and they're reminded the way I am, that children just remind us of things that we might have forgotten. You know, about just, they kind of restore faith uh, in people. You know, reminding us where, at one time, we were just we were just more simpler. I know I know that's obvious when you when you're young, things are much simpler. But they're just kids are truthful and believing. They they we're going through the time here now where my daughter every night is busy writing the the letters from the elves because they leave a letter for the elf every night before they go to bed. The elves move around. So she yeah. moves, she gets up, she moves the elf around. So they, the elf moves around. And the elf says, you know, I only move around when you guys are sleeping. I check on you. I make sure you're being good. I report back to Santa. It's, it's you know, it's great. And it's those mythical, magical times and stories of Christmas. And, you know... I was just thinking when, because they come down every morning, they have a little mailbox, and they check to see if if uh, Santa got their letter, and they check to see if the elf moved, and if the elf left them a letter. And the elf, like I said, always leaves a letter that, you know, we're checking on you, you're doing great, you know, keep up the good work, <laughs> you know, uh, you're doing good in school, you're doing good in soccer, little, little uh, Joseph, all of that stuff. And again, it just it just reminds me of how how trusting, how how believing they were in everything. Yeah, I'm not saying you have to believe in Santa after a certain age or elves after a certain age, but you got to still believe in people. You still got to believe in the goodness of people, and it's hard sometimes. As hard as we get older, it really is, and they still keep things simple in the most important ways that you know remind us that we make it too complicated sometimes. That you still can believe in people, you you still can make magic in your own way, just by keeping your word, just by caring doing a little, going out of your way to do a little extra something for somebody. You know, you can kind of do what the elves did when you were little, but you could actually <laughs> do it yourself. And um, yeah. it's it's just it's just 
Oh, something I just want to say before we started real quick, that um, it's just a restoring time of the year for everyone. Uh, like I said, it's restoring for me of faith in people, reminding us that we were all once, you know, as kids, are just, just, just more truthful, more believing, and um, more just better in a lot of ways. You know that that how do we lose some of that? You know, I I understand losing some of the innocence, um, as far as you know fairy tales and all that stuff, but how do we lose the other stuff? You know, how do we how do we stop being just basic? caring human beings uh, does that get chiseled away at us a little bit i mean i know some lose it less than others but i think it's a time of year that you could just get restored a little bit get refreshed a little bit get reminded a little bit anyway that's my christmas story i just wanted to say that and um I'll, t I'll tell you this one quickly. My youngest son, so we're down to one kid left believing in Santa, just Cameron, who's eight. But now the other kids all know the truth, but we've had a long talks with them and tell them, guys, once the last kid stops believing, the magic is over. We're going to have Christmas still, but it ain't the same. Right now we have one guy that still believes, so it's up to you guys to keep that going as long as we can. Maybe we can squeeze another year out of him. But Cameron is obsessed with the elf and, you know, he's right on the cusp of not believing. So he's smart enough to know something's off a little bit, but he's so optimistic. So Shelby found a little tiny mini elf and told Cameron that he could apply to get into the elf mentor program where they could bring the next generation of elves into the house. So we've got a little mini elf. So the elf came to the door last night. Shelby rings the bell. I come running out from the shower because I hear the dog bark and I'm like, who's at the door? Like no one comes to the door at night. And she's like, oh, the elf's in here. And we got the mini elf. And I said to Cameron, Cameron, you got into the mentor program. Oh my God, this is such a responsibility. So that's like the theme of that's our great. house right now is Cameron psyched he's in the mentor program he got a certificate he's so into it it's just heartwarming and like I said when they're this age it's like magic in the house that goes away once they start ah, believing it's, it's kind of like just... so enjoy it while you have the little guys yeah there. but not just enjoy it uh, again this probably sounds a little childish to some people but don't let go of it all don't let go of the magic yourself you know, mm -hmm. uh, keep keep that magic alive for yourself a little bit. <laughs> you know, where, yeah. you know, uh, like it's magical that an eight-year-old still can believe, even living around, you know, other ones that are no longer believing. That's magical in <laughs> itself. So, <laughs> so find magic somewhere. That's all I'm saying. And the only problematic thing about Christmas with the innocence of kids um, and the beauty of all of that that we just finished describing i i think to a pretty good to a, hopefully to a pretty good level is that when you go to we went to the mall uh over the weekend me my daughter my wife and and the and the kids here and um we saw santa and they're in santa's lab telling santa you know what they want and everything and of course they write their christmas list of what they want but certain 
certain things they don't get on the list. So I was asking my grandson, is everything on the list? He said, no, the rest of it, uh, a real big one, I just told Santa. Okay, what did you do? No, I told Santa, he knows. <laughs> That's problematic. <laughs> That's where the problem could become. Yeah, a little bit. That's where you got to go and grab Santa and say, hey, Santa, <laughs> come here for a minute. Uh, listen. And then they watch you. What were you talking to Santa about? No, I'm just, you know, tell him that his beard's getting a little gruffy. That's all. That <laughs> he, he might want to visit Ken's barber. So um, <laughs> anyway, other than that, everything is great. Let's, uh, let's get into the... Let's obviously get into the fights. Let's start with uh, the zone over in the UK. Uh, Mick Conlon back in action. And unfortunately, the magic seems to have run out for Mick Conlon. I'm a big Mick Conlon fan. I want to see the kid do good. But I think that it looks like it might be the end of the road. Third loss in fifth fight. Second TKO loss in a row. He got beat up pretty badly. Um, it's unfortunate, you know. I think the kid had so much potential, and uh, I have a different look. When when he fought his first fight on ESPN, second fight, whatever it was, some years ago, I was still calling the fights, and I remember saying I wasn't impressed. And that's he, true. You've been he, consistent with that. And listen, he won a title, whatever, for a couple minutes. He did better than most people do, and he made money. And God bless him. And he, you know, he was he was a drawing pretty good over in Ireland. And so he's he's done what a lot of people don't do. He's won a title. He's been to the mountain. And and that's great. I want all fighters to do that, even though they can't all do that. But I remember when I said that I wasn't that that he had that he had some road to plow, so to speak. He he still had to get better in certain areas. He didn't love it. I remember after the fight I was going back to my hotel. They were driving me back, and him and one of the top-ranked people asked if they could get a ride with us. So they jumped in. They rode back to the hotel with us. And I could see he had been told already that, you know, whatever he said, critically but constructively critical, uh, you know, so he could improve, that he just needed to get better in certain areas. Because, see, he, didn't love, he was respectful. He's a gentleman, a good kid. But, you know, you can see the... The top ranked guy around them is probably telling him what he wants to hear. That's one of the ways they survive. Uh, not by necessarily being their friend by telling them the truth, but by being their friend by insulating them from the truth and making them happy, happy for the moment. And you know, but when you mature, you gotta you gotta learn those things a little bit. So the thing that I thought that he hadn't garnered yet was the ability to let go, to shed some of the amateur habits and get into some of the pro habits. What I meant by that was, first of all, either you're punch or you're not. Punches are born and not made. He couldn't punch. But he was a good boxer. But he, in the amateurs, you just drew punches. All they did was really they taught you or emphasized to you, throw a lot of punches, three rounds, you win the fights for, you know, for the most part. But in the pros, you got to learn. I had to teach this to Perfetkin. Uh, and he was a gold medalist from the Olympics when I started training him uh, years ago. What, 14 years ago, whatever it was. And then we won the heavyweight title. But he just drew punches and he was getting nailed. I, I had to teach him, no, no, you got to throw the right punches at the right time. And sometimes the best punch you throw is the one you don't throw. That you don't just throw them because when you just throw them, you leave yourself open for something 
on the other end. You have to throw the punches at the right time, the right place. And he didn't learn that really. He just throws punches. He goes out, he throws, he's out hustling, he's doing good. But the problem is when you're just throwing and you're not paying attention to when not to throw, you can get timed. And that never left him. He never corrected that. That's So anyway, about a minute and a half into the fight, he was a big favorite. I the only one there was my son-in-law, and I was like, "Oh man, I got to share this with someone because Gil, the guy he was fighting, is a big underdog." So about a minute and a half in, I said, "Colin's going to get knocked out." So he said, "Really? Uh, why?" I said, "I just see something. I see something." And those are the moments where I got to be honest, where I miss commentating, where I could have those moments. Because if if not for nothing else other than to maybe let the fans, you know, hear something that you don't always hear too often. But also maybe everything is gambling now. So with the gambling now, when I say somebody could go make money, because I was actually thinking at that moment I said it, he was still a huge favorite. I could That's have told the beauty of Twitter. You can get your voice out there instantly to everybody. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't because I just didn't feel like I had time. But you're right. So about a minute and a half, because I marked it down, I said, Gil's going to, he's going to win by knockout. And the reason I said it was, he was able to get in the pocket, remain calm, Gil that is, and punch while Conlon was punching. In other words, Conlon would throw too many, and Gil, same thing I saw in his first pro fight. It never got corrected. That, And maybe if he listened, maybe he would have corrected. I don't know. But... I saw the same thing I saw early on that, again, was still the same, where Conlon would just throw, and if you're calm enough, you could throw with him, and you could nail him. And that's exactly what Gil did. He he nailed him. He I forget what punch it was. I think it was the right hand. Uh, Conlon was in the middle of throwing, bang, he nailed him. He didn't drop him or anything. That was to come in the second round. But when he caught him that clean, that was enough for me. I said, oh, wow, he's going to knock him out. Because he knows what I'm talking about. He knows that this guy's going to leave openings by just throwing too many punches and not really being selective to what punches he throws at what time. And sure enough, it didn't take long. Second round, he's dropped. Uh, He gets dropped with one of those time punches. Uh, So anyway... Uh, at the end of the day, uh, the quantity of punches that Conlon was throwing just didn't meet the quality that do more damage by a guy like Gill. And that, that, that really says it all. Uh, I just want to look at the notes. I want to get through this fast. Uh, at the end of the day... That's what it was. I, you know, I for a second I thought the referee might have stopped it a tiny bit quick, but I don't think it mattered because he was Gil was getting to him uh, in spots when Gil wanted to get to him, he got to him. There were spots where Gil didn't do anything, and Conlon was doing what he does. He throws a lot of punches. He's a very game kid, and he was he was grabbing those rounds. But then, as soon as Gil got in the pocket and timed him. He was landing, obviously, the more effective punches. And it was just a matter of time 
Uh, he heard him. The referee stopped it. He had him up against the ropes. But uh, if he didn't stop it at that moment, he would have hurt him again, probably put him on the ground. And as you said, I think it's time for him to move on. You know, he's a smart kid. Uh, he's a kid that, as I said, he's done what most people never get a chance to do or have the ability to do or the heart to do, win a world title. Congratulations to him. Let's move on now because you know why? I, I'm i making a pre-New Year's resolution. Uh, my son brought this up to me. And it's a test of how honest I can be because I'm, I'm always saying that I want to be honest and I want to be more honest every day. And I always say that in reality in life, we all submit. We all lie a little bit. It's just a matter of how important, how big and how small <laughs> and how less we can lie in the future or, or submit to things we, we wouldn't want ourselves to admit we were submitting to, uh, compromises that we all make in life to get through the day. And I, I, my son, he didn't bring that up, but I brought it up to myself. But my son was saying, and like I said, it might be a pre-New Year's resolution where I could just be shorter, uh, not my height, uh, nation <laughs> and the process of time has unfortunately taken care of uh, that process for me. I, I think that <laughs> I got that myself. But just a little short, a little more and concise and get out. And, and one thing he did say, he said, Dad, you should never really be too much shorter with your analysis because it's nobody matches. And that's the son saying, so I don't know if that's accurate, although he's a smart kid. But he said, yeah, analysis, really, people like that. I mean, they don't get it anywhere. Not, not only because of how accurate you are, but how you go to places that someone else just wouldn't go. They wouldn't know how to go, or they wouldn't want to go there because it would bring on what it brings on. You know, people like Shakur Stevenson, other people out there that will you know, send a little hate your way, thinking that you're being hateful. And I'm not. I'm not. I'm just doing my job. And I'll continue doing that. I won't lose that. Uh, my son told me, don't lose that. And I hope the fans out there don't want me to lose that. So I won't. I'll continue doing that. And i also continue doing what my son said as far as connecting the dots with life, boxing with life, life stories that possibly can you know, can connect at the right time to somebody out there. Uh, I, I won't do that either, but I will move a little faster. Um, anyway, I, 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 the people are so good. And when I say I have to be honest, because that was something I didn't want to say. When, when I was getting ready to say this, I didn't want to say it because I'm, you know, I'm saying something that, is exposing of oneself, like admitting of oneself that I could be shorter. Uh, I, I, I did want to kind of leave that out. But I said, no, if I'm going to go down this road, I got to go down this road. What's good for the goose is good for the gander, uh, you know, so to speak. Uh, I, I always talk about being transparent, about being as honest as we can. So that's, that's one way of kind of reminding myself of that. So I guess the next one would go right to UFC. Go ahead, Ken. Right, we're gonna go. You, we're gonna, no, let's go. Let, let's talk about. Uh, let's hit that last boxing match, the Ryan Garcia Oscar Duarte uh, fight, and then we'll bang out the UFC. Um, <clears throat> Ryan Garcia trying to bounce back from that um, 
Tank Davis loss slash knockout uh, in tough with Oscar Duarte. Very awkward fight uh, early on. Ryan seemed to be employing like a shoulder roll, but almost turning his back to him. And then, of course, Duarte is ripping body shots, which are basically hitting him in the back. But it's like if you're turning your back to him, I thought it was an awkward spot for the ref because if the kid's turning his back, how am I going to avoid punching his back if I'm throwing body shots? Nevertheless, I want to get your thoughts on that shoulder roll slash back turn move. But when Ryan would let his hands go there so fast, and initially I thought, geez, he's hit landing some good shots, but he doesn't seem to be able to hurt Duarte, and he just clearly just chipped away at him, broke him down, like you would say, just kept chipping at the rock. I don't think he. I don't think he did. I disagree with you. I'll tell you why. All right. There was a transformation in the fight. The first part of the fight, he was sitting down, he being Garcia, and he was throwing hard punches, meaningful punches, uh, control and range, but set to punch. Then all of a sudden, the pressure from Duarte made him change, made him move, almost not run, but close to running. Uh, to the point where he was close to losing the crowd. Because when you're a guy that's making that kind of money, he made $30 million supposedly his last fight, but you're making that kind of, God bless him, but you're making, he worked to get there. <laughs> but you're working, you're making that kind of money, and you're that good looking, and you're that popular on social media, you better continue delivering. And he was in danger of losing the crowd. Where wasn't he delivering? in behaving like a fighter. That's one way the crowd usually will not have patience with you. You, you got to fight anyway, but behave like a fighter. Like, fight a little bit like they want. Yeah, you can box like Ali. <laughs> you could do a little, all that. But when, you, when you're up there at that pedestal and you've been given all that belief by the fans and all the things that they're part of giving you <laughs> because they, they have to come. They have to show up. They have to watch. They have to buy the pay-per-view. Otherwise, you're, you're not on that pedestal. So there's a price to that. And part of the price is that they want to continue seeing you. Yeah, you could be good-looking. You could be flashy. You could be... But you also better produce at the end of the day with some power shots, with something explosive, with something connected to what they think is earning their adulation and he was in danger of losing that moving too much and he wasn't throwing punches that were chipping him down he was just throwing almost don't hit me punches to keep the guy off they weren't chipping him down earlier he was doing that but Duarte was blocking well really well and he was putting pressure on so Duarte started again to change the behavior of Oscar of um Ryan, where he made him start to get on his bicycle. And the booze started to come. You heard them. I heard them. Yep. He heard yep. them. And there was a real tricky moment there around the seventh round. And I thought Duarte, the sixth and seventh, had better rounds. He lost the early round. But I thought he had better rounds. And maybe the pressure was starting to work. Because pressure felt the momentum shifting in the fight towards Duarte in a big way. Yes, pressure takes time. Uh, the analogy I've often used is it's like a pot of boiling water. It takes time to boil that water, to evaporate that water. It takes time for pressure to evaporate someone's will and skill. It takes time. And the clock was ticking. And he started to get to it, it looked like a little bit. And... 
all of a sudden, Duarte made a mistake. He reached with the right hand, and the best punch that Garcia has, which is a good punch, uh, a short left hook, a counter left hook. You know, they call it a check hook. I'm just going to say a nice, short counter left hook, like a Joe Lewis, who I love, like his short punches. And it was. And it got into that space. He reached a little with the right hand, bang. Done like a real good fighter can do. And it hurt him, and he stayed on him, and he finished him. The only thing after that that was a little bit maybe questionable was, again, we. I try to tell the whole thing, whether you like it or not, whether Duarte got up in the, I'm going to put a twist on words, in the nick of not time. Well, that's why I said that I thought maybe he was chipping away because to me, Duarte quit. Like, he, he, he dude, he's counting. Well, it was on the border. Eight, will you get up? What it's are you hard doing? to. It's hard to be. It. We we're not in their minds and souls and that's hearts. That's fair, but that's but what it looked like to I me. I get it's it. Like, You're dude, right. You're, you're not wrong. Right. The ref is like right in his face. Eight, nine, and at nine he starts. Get, you know what's going to happen. You know it's what like it looks asking, like. It's like what the if, doctor asking, "Can you see?" And you say, "No." The fight's over immediately. It's one of those moments, Ken, where it's kind of like we've all been there. <laughs> Not in the ring, but one of those moments like where you're at a party, you're at, a, you're at an event, right? And you know there's going to be certain people there that you don't want to see. I mean, we've... <laughs> and, 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 yeah, and, I know right? very well. <laughs> okay. And you're in the hallway, right? And you're, you're kind of observing, right? You're, you're, you're taking notice of everybody. You're surveying the area. And all of a sudden, you see one of those people go in the room. And they're starting to head towards the room that you have to go in. And as you're walking, what do you do? You slow your walk down a little bit. You just slow it down a little bit where you let them go first so you don't have to deal with that, where you don't have to see them. Just right there. And it's almost like that. Like he slowed down a moment just enough where the referee would get him out of there where the referee yep. would do what he kind of was forcing the ref to do to say right. 10 and then whatever goes after that. The, uh, it, the bottom line is the knockout, I think it was the eighth round. It came yep. in the, truly in the nick of time before the crowd started to really get away from Ryan before the, Fight might have gotten away from Ryan. His talent pulled it out. He landed the punch. Uh, he was saved by that punch. I don't know if it saves him in the future with better fighters. I don't know. I like Ryan. I like him a lot. But I believe that at that moment, I'm describing, I think, the way, the best way I can, that it's, it saved him. Uh, it pulled him out of a possible potential fire that could have been starting to surge a little bit. And again, at the end of the day, um, everything's forgiven. See, that's the one thing about a great punch. I talk about the great eraser. You know, it's kind of like if you're a certain religion, like Catholic, the way I was brought up, uh, you go to confession, you confess your sins, and now you're clean. <laughs> you're clean. Now you're okay. You're good to go because you confess your you you go in the confessional booth. You you confess all your sins. A punch does that too. It comes sometimes. It's like a confessional booth. It can cleanse all your sins. You know. It can it can remove you know all 
doubts and everything else. Um, and, and it kind of did that. Until next time. Un- until next time. Because as much as it did kind of forgive everything, there was no more booing. The crowd was happy. Now they got what they wanted. They were happy. They forgot about the booing they were doing for the last three or four rounds a little bit. And forgotten until next time. Uh, same channel, same time, same bat station, next time. Then we will continue this story. And and why wouldn't we? Because Ryan Garcia's life feels more like a soap opera than it does a boxing match half the time. At this point, between him and his promoters, what went on before. <laughs> really, it does. It really does. It's so, so you, childish. Right? So you're going to need that punch to kind of turn the channel and back to boxing. Away from well, the let me, ask you, let me ask you this. After the fight, I saw your uh, partner, Pauli Malinaji, he commented on the fact that he called out uh, that Ryan mentioned Shakur Stevenson in the ring afterwards. And Pauli said, compared to De Los Santos, De Los Santos was 50 times better than Duarte. And he's like, I don't think that he should be calling out Shakur Stevenson because he would have gotten wa- washed by De Los Santos. I'm curious what your thoughts are on that possible matchup. Paulie is a smart, honest kid. He lost his job at Showtime, and he was a tremendous, tremendous color commentator. And he lost it for being honest. Let's be honest. (laughs) Isn't that funny? But he lost it for being honest. People say, be honest. Then you're honest what they do. They freaking fire you uh, sometimes. (laughs) So, so yeah, I understand what Paulie's saying. And I'll say this. Duarte... I'll give him a little more credit in, in some ways than Paulie. I'll say Duarte, it could have been a lesser opponent in some ways. Duarte was game. He was strong. Uh, he was he was aggressive. He was going to make you beat him. He wasn't going to let you get a freebie. And that, that's coming back off the knockout loss with the time of inactivity. That's better than some people do when they choose their next opponent. He, they, he was fighting a guy who was going to make you earn it. And you know what? Ryan earned it. Uh, Duarte was handmade in certain ways. I, I get what Paulie's saying. He was predictable. He had slow feet. He was coming at you in a slow pace. He was throwing single shots one at a time. But he was aggressive. He was a guy who could punch a little bit. Not great, but he drew them hard. He could punch solid. He could punch the body. He had a good left hook. Um, he didn't put punches together enough, Duarte, but he was starting to get into his rhythm a little bit. The talent of the talent of Ryan stopped that. So in that way, I'll just say, I'll give him some credit for the opponent he took. But I get what Paulie's saying. At the end of the day, he was sort of tailor-made for him because he was coming at him, coming at a slow enough, predictable enough, one-dimensional enough pace where sooner or later there was a chance what happened would happen. But still, there was a chance if that didn't happen, what would happen in the last four rounds? That Duarte would start maybe getting into him a little bit, would start breaking him down a little bit. So I I think I get where Paulie's saying I'm... Not going against Paulie in any way because I, 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 he's a smart guy. He knows boxing. He's a former world champ, and he's not afraid to tell the truth. But at the end of the day, I think part of the truth is that Duarte did test Garcia a little bit, um, 
and at the end of the day, Garcia did what everyone wanted, if you're on his side, to see. Uh, he, he was able to land a punch that shows he's a, he's a qualified puncher and gives him a chance to always be able to compete at the next level. Do I right now, if you put a gun to my head, do I right now think that Garcia is ready for the top guys there uh, at at one forty? The Haney's, the 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 uh, Teofimo Lopez. Yeah, yeah Teofimo. Um, is he ready for the Teofimos, for the Haney's, for for all those? We got to see what happens, of course, with Progress and Haney. But is he ready for those guys? I don't. If you put a gun to my head right now, no. Right now, right now, no. But tomorrow. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. That's what we do. We wait for tomorrow. One of the beefs Ryan was having with his promoters is I think that he was implying at the press conference that Oscar and uh, Bernard thought that Duarte was going to beat him, and that's why they were matching him, which is crazy to think that your promoters are putting you in purposely with guys they think can beat you. But then Oscar came back and said, we've made a lot of money for uh, for." Uh, Ryan, he made $30 million against, or whatever the number was, against um, Tank. I wanted to say, Ryan Garcia could promote his own fights and probably get as much, if not more. He doesn't need Oscar Taylor Hoya to promote him. So they seem to be locked in this relationship that they can't get out of. But it's funny that Oscar thinks he adds value when I'm like, anybody could do that for Ryan, and he could arguably promote his own fight just as well. Nevertheless, one thing that we should all be doing when the holiday seasons are here is taking our Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com slash atlas to take advantage of a special offer for all of our listeners. 10 free travel packs with your first purchase. We're all going to be traveling all over the holidays and probably staying up a little later than we should, so make sure you're taking your athletic greens the all-in-one green drink one scoop in the morning mix it with eight to ten ounces of water couldn't be easier it's the all-in-one green multivitamins the only supplement you need as far as i'm concerned athleticgreens.com slash atlas to get the 10 free travel packs it's made from 75 whole food source ingredients which is the best way to get all your vitamins minerals and nutrients from whole food sources check them out athleticgreens.com Let's talk about the UFC. Hey, listen, to finish on the, as far as you touched on early, you know, when he was turning, I, I, I don't know what he was doing. It was a kind of a poor man's version of the Mayweather role, you know? It, it was. That's I think right. that's fair to say. Um, I, I know some people want me to comment on that. So I didn't I, think I, it was I, as bad as the commentators made it out like he was, like, turtling and rolling on the ground. I was like, uh, it, no, it, it might not be as clean as Mayweather, it, but I didn't no, think he was uh, It wasn't it was nearly as good as Mayweather. But, listen, I don't know if he knew what he was doing other than he was pretty honest, I don't know if he was honest on purpose, but Ryan was like, I was trying to slow down the momentum. That speaks to a large issue down the road where, in other words, almost he's almost insinuating that he wasn't taught how to deal with the pressure. In other words, I, I, I'm coming up with that because I was trying to slow the momentum. Well, there are ways to slow momentum down if you're taught those ways uh, in the gym. There are ways to do that. Uh, but Teddy, to your point about being taught, he's bouncing from trainer to trainer. I don't well, think that's, it's the that's healthiest a, game no, plan. That's, a, I, that's fair. So what I'm saying is, what he was doing that, I don't know if was, uh, people say, you know, he tried to be Mayweather. and I think he was just, as he said, he was trying to find something to alleviate the pressure that was being put on him by Duarte, and he wasn't sure what that was. 
And he was kind That's of making right. it up as he was doing it. And and the one thing to the commentators, they did a good job. But the one thing that kind of threw me a little was early on, he stepped straight back. He's got a habit of stepping straight back, uh, does Ryan. And he got touched with the hook. The end of the hook. Not, you know, not solid, but he got touched with the hook. It could have been bad because he kept doing it. It showed that Duarte could step with him and catch him, which I always say is a problem when you step straight back. Guy steps with you, he can time you. And... So the commentator said, basically, I'm, I, I, I'm trying to paraphrase what he said, and, I, and don't hold me for it because I don't remember exactly, but it was along the lines of he, he hasn't corrected mistakes. This is not good. Uh, you know, and it was like he was saying the trainer, the new trainer, because he was with a new trainer, hadn't corrected the mistakes. Uh, this is, you know, this should be corrected by now. He shouldn't be doing the same thing wrong. And then by the end, when he landed the punch and all was forgiven, all was forgotten, it was kind of funny because then the commentators were like, what a great job. You know, the... the, (laughs) That's so predictable. (laughs) Yeah, like, I'm just saying, I'm not... I get it, but like, what a great job. Like, that's all... That's all washed away. Like, like a rain washes away dirt. You know, it's all gone. Would you say, in hindsight, Teddy, would you say that he won this fight purely on talent and didn't really have the right, necessarily, game plan? Like, he wasn't necessarily doing everything right. He hit that punch when he had to, but the momentum was shifting massively. It looks like he relied purely on his athleticism and instincts. Partly. Which might not work against a better opponent. I think he had a plan. I think he had a plan to control range. Um, He just couldn't stay set to control. He's not confident enough yet in that area to stay set to step out catch him step out catch him step to the side catch him be uh, your feet are grabbing the floor while you're doing it he he got on his tricycle to do it um because he wasn't sure he could do it standing without being vulnerable that's what i think it was that he hasn't really found what he has to find uh as far as his his id in the ring uh his identity in the ring i think he had the right idea that I can't stand in front of this guy coming. I got to move. I got to create distance. I got to create angles. I got to create counterpunch opportunity. He had the right idea. The execution of it, I think, is still a work in progress. And gotcha. I want to stay true to my word. We're moving forward. The, the okay. only guys who could be... The only time being shorter on a podcast doesn't really apply is when you're at the top, 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 top echelons of the Mount Olympus. That's exactly right. Like, like a Joe Rogan and a Lex Friedman. If you're at that top <laughs> clouds up there, then you could go 400 hours on a podcast, and I, I don't think it would matter because they're so good. How was your chat with the uh, physicist and uh, one of the great intellects of our time, Lex Friedman? How was that? It was great. I thought it was great. I hope he did too. But he, I found him to be not just smart, but genuine. And and just his, I, his core, forget about his, uh, you know, the stuff above his shoulders. Uh, the cerebralness, we know that's pretty special from what he's done. He's graduated MIT, he's a scientist, oh, forget about it. But his core underneath that, as far as what makes him a person, I was impressed by. That he's, you know, a, he's also a jiu-jitsu black belt. Yeah, so I know. This guy is like, he's a I'm just serious impressed. guy. No, very serious, very smart, as you said, 
but also humble. I know that's yeah. a word you probably didn't expect, but I just found it for a guy with that kind of accomplishments already at a young age of 40 that he's that he's humbled. And that means that's him. That means that, you know, uh, he's got that core of a person that you would hope that somebody, no matter how accomplished, would always somehow retain. I like being with him. That's 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 the best thing I could do. When I walked away, I felt like I met somebody that was a good person and that my day was a better day because I met him. How's that? All right. Oh, nice. That's as, that's as nice a compliment as you can get. Before we move on to UFC, quick reminder for everyone listening, Thursday, we've got the Regis Progray versus Devin Haney fight plan coming out. If you're planning on watching the fight, betting on the fight, any or all of the above, please check out the fight plan before you watch the fight. Hopefully the fighters will get to see it too, and they've implemented some of the... Um, Things that Teddy pointed out as to which each what each guy can do to win the fight, um, where they can take advantage of each other. As always, we provide it. Teddy provides a couple different points that each fighter can take to um, give him a better chance to win the fight. But I'm looking forward to this. Obviously, we like Regis Progray. No problem with Devin Haney, but uh, certainly we'll be pulling for uh, Regis in this one. Um, but let's get into the UFC. Really and then good one good card. thing about the fight plan: after you watch it. Maybe, maybe. We're not perfect, but we do pretty good. Maybe if you do make a call to my bookie, it's it's a more accurate call. Maybe, maybe. Yep, let's get into UFC. Let's start on the uh, undercard with um, Joaquin Silva. Gets the decision 29-28 on all three scorecards against the veteran Clay Guida. Clay Guida always is, comes in like a Tasmanian devil, and uh, this fight didn't disappoint. All action all night, and Silva gets the decision. How'd you like this one? Wow. Wow. What a chin and heart on Guida. I mean, all these guys, I get it, but really, he ate a ridiculously huge clean uppercut, then elbows in the first round, and then he gets to his feet and he gets through the round. Wow. Then the second by round... The way, by the way, by the way, 41 years old. 41 years old. Unbelievable. He reminds me of that other extraordinary human being and fighter. What was his name? Texera? The the guy that... In his, Glover. Oh, my God. Glover the guy, Texera. Uh, in his 40s. Later in his 40s. <laughs> yep. uh, the, the fight he put in with that pro... Um, Prokaska or whatever his name was. Um, yeah, Yuri Prokaska. Yeah, he wound up losing it, but he was winning it. He was on the verge of winning it. Then he lost it, I believe. See if I'm accurate there. But he reminds me of that kind of guy, that kind of resolve, that kind of uh, just that kind of worth, uh, you know, that, that goes to the core of what he is that I'm talking about before, that kind of character, uh, not just talent. It's just unbelievable. Um yeah, he lost a uh, he lost a submission, a rear naked choke to um, Texier to um, Prohaska in the fifth round, and then he also lost a decision to the current champ um, Jamal Hill five round decision yeah, as well. Just an but that's after he beat Jan Blahovich with a rear naked choke in the second round. I mean, this is no. You can only guy. have that kind of physical endurance if you have that kind of character endurance. And he's 44 years old. 
Wow. I, that's what I'm saying. That's why I'm comparing. So the second round, I'll, I'll look at my notes here, but um, Guida actually picks up Silva and, and dumps him, but Silva then takes control and lands knees, and then Guida lands big shots. Just incredible back and forth. I know I go there when when it's that kind of fight, but I go to the Thrill in Manila, right? I mean, it's not a bad place to go when you got that kind of heart, that kind of talent, and that kind of banging, um, and kind of refusal to give in on both sides, you know. So then Silva has got Guida in a in a choke, in a choke, but Guida breaks out of it. Then late in the round, Guida gets two takedowns. Uh, he's so physically strong, Guida, and so tough and determined. It, it's just, it's extraordinary to watch. Uh, first round was Silva, and then the second round, Guida with the takedowns was was a close round. Um, the third round, I thought, would tell it. I, I thought that uh, Guida won the second, probably the third round would tell the fight. Uh, Silva won the third round. I think he did it by moving, picking spots, keeping Guido off balance. And uh, Silva got Silva got good controlling position on the mat, getting him into a guillotine hold. Uh, but these guys don't care because they don't, you know. If you put him on a real guillotine, I don't know that... When the blade came down, I, I think it would break. <laughs> I mean, they, these Catch guys are the they're extraordinary. Uh, Guido won the round. Uh, Guido, uh, I mean, Silva won the round. Uh, Guido was incredible just surviving that, that third round. Obviously, I had the third round going to Silva clearly. He wins it two to one, at least on my cards. Um, it was close to possibly being three to nothing. I know that the official cards yeah. were two to one, but for me, it could almost been three to nothing. Uh, but I, I had it two to one. I thought Guido won the second round, so uh, that made it that made it two to one. And now let's go to Tom Brady. I didn't know Tom Brady was was in the. <laughs> uh, was, uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> The Philly version. By the way, speaking of um, guillotines in jiu-jitsu, I'd be remiss if I didn't tell you. Cameron got a new belt on um, Wednesday of last week, and tonight he starts uh, f wrestling season starts officially tonight. He's very excited. Wanted me to tell you he got a new belt. Tell him I said congratulations. I can't wait to spend another day in the gym with him. And um, just keep... Just keep on going. He's going in the right direction. Couldn't be more proud of him. Couldn't be more proud also of his sister and other two brothers. Uh, they're they're a, they're just a good good group. Good group. You're doing a Thank great you. job. Uh, your wife, of course, can't leave her out. She's um, the best. She's doing a great job too. So Brady and Gastelum. Uh, Sean, Sean Brady submits Gastelum in the third round. This was a back-and-forth battle. Awesome fight. Gastelum is never in a boring fight, and Sean Brady is the toughest they come. Philly's own, the pride of Philadelphia, Sean Brady. And uh, Brady gets the third round submission via um, Kimura. How'd you like it? Yeah, 
Brady gets to take down early in the first round, controlling position, uh, which, you know, it's about geography, and it's about when you get that geography, controlling that geography. Uh, and Brady did that. Gaslam uh, had to really spend a lot of time surviving on the mat, which takes something out of you. Uh, then Gaslam made a great move, and he got position, uh, you know, and he got back to his feet. Uh, striking and then another takedown wound up coming by Brady and uh, again with the takedown the takedown don't mean anything if you don't control and do something with it and he does and he did uh, and it made Gastelum just spend a lot of time again defending surviving on the mat so Brady wins clearly the first round and uh, Gastelum who's the southpaw Early second round, uh, Brady again gets the position on the mat, controls the turf war, if you will, getting that geography he wants, uh, and controls on the mat again. Boy, he's really good there. I wound up making a note to myself, Ken. Brady is a genius on the mat. That I just that just came to me that when I why I said let me mark this down. I want to make sure I say that he. He manipulates and controls guys on the mat with with his grappling. And it's really, for me, the way it looked, when I was watching the things and listening to the great commentators break it down, because they do have great commentators doing it that really know what they're talking about, because they've been there, and they know how to say it to the audience in a simple way where you could understand it. But for me... The visual of watching Brady on the mat was like watching one of these masses with the Rubik Cube. That's that's what it was like. It was like watching one of those guys with the Rubik Cube. And, and like in three seconds, they put the Rubik Cube together, uh, which is still, I don't understand how people do that. But they're at a different level of, of everything. You know, everything slows down. They're calm. They're ingenious uh, in in their area, and they're able to see things that other people don't see and see it quick. To me, that's what separates um, Terrence Crawford, that he slows everything. He's got talent. He's got this. He's got that. Other people do too, but he slows things down so much where it's kind of like Michael Jordan in basketball, where he sees things clearer than anyone else does in that inferno that other people only see the fire. He sees a clearing through all that chaos. And that makes his timing even better. Yeah, it makes Terrence Crawford's speed even better. And it's the same thing with a guy like Brady. You know, and like I said, he just, uh, it was pure mastery. Second round, dominated again by Brady. Um, and the final Note I made to myself, Brady is also like Willie Moscone, uh, the great pool table, uh, pool player, where he would control the table and you never even get a shot because he's seven moves ahead of you setting up the next shot and the one after that. And that's, that's Brady. You don't even get that next shot. He got him into an arm lock, bang, over. Yep. <laughs> That's a pretty good summary. I uh, got him in that Kimura and just like cranked it. Um, 
All right, moving on. Davidson Figueredo in with Rob Font. Two absolute killers, but Davidson Figueredo put it on him all night. 30-27 on all three scorecards. Um, pretty uh, as one-sided as they get in the UFC. What you think? Yeah, I was very impressed with both, but very, very impressed by Figueredo moving up uh, and coming off a little time off. I've first, I... I I felt like good for him that he didn't have to fight Marino anymore. It's like, you know what I mean? It's kind of like Jake Lomato, who's a great <laughs> fighter. And then he had to yeah. fight He had to fight Sugar Ray Robinson, the greatest fighter maybe of all time. And he and one of the jokes, he said, I, he fought him six times. He said, I fought Sugar Ray so many times I got diabetes. You know, it's like I was, I was happy for Figueroa that he didn't have to fight this great, great, and he beat him, and it went back and forth, and they were great matches, him and Marino, great, uh, but I was just happy that he could finally not have to fight that nightmare of a guy, and, and look, there's no dream boats, as if I'm going to use the analogy, nightmares being rough, there's no dreams out there in the UFC, they're all rough, but Marino is extra rough, so he moves up in weight, uh, first round striking, boxing, font pushing envelope, nice and steady, technically sound. Um, he used to jab well. Figueroa was countering with right hands while he was moving, looking to get position, looking to keep font off balance a little bit. Uh, again, the strategy, the the cerebralness, not just the physicality of of uh, Figueroa of all the great ones. Uh, and then uh, he was always one minute left. Uh, Figueroa lands his straight right hand, hurts Font, winning the round, probably just on that close round, and hurt him with, you know, also hurt him with a stiff jab uh, that Figueroa uh, was able to deliver at the end of the first round. At the end of the day, strikes and takedowns. Uh, was kind of the M.O. for Figueroa. He mixes it up really nice. He strikes. He, he, he's as comfortable striking as he is down on the mat. Uh, Figueroa got worn for a knee to the groin. Uh, Font landed a nice uppercut. Figueroa trying to, as I said, he, he kept mixing in the takedowns with, or trying to mix in the takedowns with the striking. Uh, Figueroa Got a takedown, close second round. Uh, Figueroa might might have captured the round. I believe he did, at least on my cards, with the strikes at the end. He did a good job, I thought, of st maybe stealing close rounds with some striking at the end, Figueroa. Uh, and, of course, the takedown, I think it was early in the second round. So after two, I had it, two nothing, Figueroa. Third round, Font was in process of punching, throwing, and Figueroa timed him with a punch uh, perfectly uh, and hurt him, timed him, and uh, beat, him, beat him to it with the left hook and hurt him. And then later on, dominated Font on the mat uh, after getting a, another takedown. Just a brilliant, impressive win. Three to nothing for Figueroa, and uh, also I made a note that Figueroa, 
And you know, never know how much these, these they don't, you don't, you don't see it right there, but you don't know how much it figures in their complete effort of winning. He landed a really beautiful, clean body shot that I think gets forgotten sometimes. But I guess the point I'm making is Figueroa is a just a balanced guy. Does does it all. Bobby Green and Turner. Go ahead. Oh, scary knockout, scary stoppage. Uh, and I Jaylen love Bobby Turner. Green. You hate to see yeah. anybody get knocked out that way, but Bobby Green fights everybody. He's been around with everyone. He had had take a fight on a not a minute's notice, ten second notice. Uh, you know, have gloves. Will travel, fights everyone, but was in there with the wrong guy on this particular night. Yeah, Jalen Turner catches him. Bobby's face down, doing his best, kind of unconscious, but his hands are kind of up, and the ref just lets him take a savage beating. The announcers were like, are they waiting for him to be dead? This is crazy. Terrible stoppage, but uh, Jalen Turner, my God, he put it on him. Good Lord, that guy is good. What'd you think? I think that, thank God, he didn't get hurt. And I I think that it reminded me of how important referees are in boxing and in MMA, uh, that you got to have the right guys in there that you don't want them to react too soon, but definitely not too late. Uh, and it kind of gave you a reminder of that. Uh, I mean, Turner was like Tommy Hearns in boxing. You know, he, he's tall, he's wiry, he's long. Uh, he's got power, you know. He's got a extraordinary frame uh, for striking, and um, it was just, you know, he uses he he fought perfectly the way he should. And let's not forget, nine years younger than Green. So again, giving as much kudos as I can to Green for taking this fight for. Taking all the fights he does. and But on this particular night, as I said earlier, the wrong style for him. Shorter guy, trying to get close. Both southpaws. Turn a bigger and longer. Controlled range really well. And did what I talk about. What you're supposed to do if you're the taller guy. You're set to punch. Kind of what Ryan Garcia has to learn more of. He, he's set to punch. He, he's outside. But he's not just running around. He's he's controlling range by taking steps, grabbing the floor, and he knows that his opponent being shorter has to get in. And what's he going to do? He's going to mug him before he gets into that neighborhood that Green wants to get into. And that's what he did. He mugged him with a straight left hand. And I don't need to say anything more. Thank, thank God he's uh, okay. Green, because once he got dropped with that punch, he wasn't okay. But with the other punches that Turner started bombing him with, uh, he he could have been taken to a very dangerous place. Thank God that he wasn't. Yep, (laughs) that pretty much sums it up. All right, let's get into the main event. Uh, Benil Dariush in with Armand. One thing I add to it, though, Turner is a huge talent and problem. Just with his size... And, you know, he's wiry, he's tall, wiry guys get a lot of leverage. He's got big power. Uh, He knows how to fight tall. That makes him a really, really, when he's right, he's he's a problem. Go ahead. 
It's crazy to think that he has seven losses, most recently to Dan Hooker, who he was bouncing back again. He fought Hooker in um, in June to a tough split decision loss, but Jesus, they almost killed each other. They both ended up next to each other in the emergency room, much like uh, Mickey Ward and Arturo Gotti back in the day. But um, And a very classy guy, Turner, in the interview. Yeah. Very classy. Yeah, very. Yep. Uh, Armin Sar- Sarukian just destroys Benil Dariush in the first round, knocks him out. I mean, not a lot to say here. This kid is a freaking wrecking ball, 12, 21 and three. Even even a guy like that, though, you look, twin, this guy has three losses. It's crazy to think, but he lost to Gamrot, who also beat Jalen Turner, as it turns out. Nevertheless, big win for um, Sarukian. Uh, see what he moves up in the rankings here. I don't know what he came in ranked, but I think, Maybe they were like four and eight, respectively, with Dariush ahead of him. But Sarukian is uh, certainly in line to take on a number one contender and keep climbing the ladder towards a title shot. He looks unbelievable. What'd you think? First of all, the first thing that struck me when they got in from the visual was Dariush looks so much bigger, you know. And and of course he's he looked older too because he's got gray hair. But and he my is son that- Cameron said to me. Dad, why is that old guy in the cage? I said, no, buddy. Some people just get gray hair. He's not old. His hair is just gray. If he didn't have the gray hair, but it is funny to see someone that gray getting in the cage and in that kind of physical condition. Yeah, and he is seven. He is seven years older than than <laughs> Rukian. But um, you know, some people get premature gray. Some people don't use yeah. hair, hair dye, quite frankly. So <laughs> anyway, Dario. Uh, he looked bigger, but that wasn't going to last long, right? Uh, yeah. Darius Sapor. All I can say is what everybody must have said when they saw it. Wow. You know, to see uh, Tezruki in, in one minute. I think that, what was the time? It was like one minute. I 104. Mean, yeah, yeah, 104. Unbelievable. Uh, a minute. And, and here's what it is. I love the way he did it. Not just the pure force of it. But the delivery, people know I delivery system is a big thing for me. The the cerebralness, big thing for me. Um, how technically you're solid, big thing for me. Because you can have all the power and talent. Without those other things, you're not going to be able to use those. You're, you're not going to put them to best use. You only put them to best use uh, if you do have technique, if you do have the right delivery system, if you are calm in an uncalm environment. Then you could take all the great talent that obviously Suzukian has and you can serve it up on a platter. And he served it up on a platter. A platter. His knee basically served as an uppercut in boxing. To raise the head up, to raise up uh, his head to land the clean right hand. Just a great, brilliant setup. Uh, mind and body Yes, a physical final result, but the mind and body working in conjunction, just working in rhythm perfectly. Uh, set up, you know, set up really that that devastating one minute and four second knockout. Uh, and again, set up by his fighting mind and intellect and calm enough to execute it. Just tremendous, tremendous job. Uh, first part of the set- setup was a throwaway right hand to the head to get 
Dariush to cuff up defensively. I don't want anyone to miss that. He threw the right hand, kind of a throwaway punch, to get Dariush ready for what was about to be dropped on him. He had to get him ready. You know, before you cook the turkey, you have to baste it, right? Yeah, you have to get it ready. And then you put it in the oven. You know, we just went through that in Thanksgiving, right? And then you put it in the oven and you and you go and you cook the turkey. Same thing here. He he gets there used to cover up by throwing the right hand. Um then he had him in position where now he could grab him and he did, pull him into a knee. As I said, that set up the big punch on top. Uh, then, of course, he jumped on him for the finish. Just great execution. Great great thoughtfulness um, to be able to see what he saw and be able to go out there and execute just just the perfect, the perfect way of finishing a fight. Just tremendous. Tremendous. Yep. Well, that's uh, what do we got? So, like I said, with Thursday night we have the um, the preview, the fight plan for Haney versus Regis Progray. But uh, let's give a quick preview here. I know the fans want to hear what you have to think about this in summary from what we what we broke down on the fight plan. But uh, what are you looking for in this fight from each guy? I like Haney. I like Haney. I like both fighters and Progray's. I've talked to him before. Tried. You know, asked me for some thoughts before his title fight, his second title fight that he won that puts him in a special esteem class within, within two titles, not just one. And I talked to him and gave my thoughts of how that fight would go and, you know, kind of my own idea of a fight plan for him. He went out there, he did his thing, he executed, he won the title. His last fight, he didn't look good. I don't know if... I think the style of the fighter that he was in there, Pro Graces, I've had a lot to do with it. Very difficult style. A guy that controls the outside, a guy that doesn't take any chances at all, uh, makes you take all the chances, puts the burden on you. Very difficult guy. Guy that's always defensive conscious. Uh, so he didn't look good. I don't know if it's because he's getting old or it was just his style. I don't think it's because he's getting old. But I like Haney to win. Progray's the bigger guy. Haney's moving up to his weight. Where I think it's going to play out is Haney does his thing. His thing is to control the outside. Now, I will give you this. In his last fight with Lomachenko, he made a change. He bent his knees. He sat down more. He looked like he wanted to be more of a power puncher. Uh, control range. Again, maybe like Ryan Garcia needs to do at some point. But control range, not, not necessarily giving up his height or his reach, but control range on the outside where he also could be very productive with power and with putting punches together. Haney's a sharpshooter. Nice, clean punches. Really, really the guy that reminds you of why the the word sweet science was first applied to boxing. He, he does it like a science. I think where he has the advantage with progress Progress has the burden of coming to him. And sometimes he moves his head. He does a good job of moving his head, Progress. Where he doesn't do a good job is keeping his hands up. But he knows what he's doing because he, he's not always going to lead. He's going to look to counter so he can get away with keeping his hands down. I see Progress sometimes moves his head from too far away. 
And when you move your head from a little to, you should be close enough to draw the punch where you can make a miss and you can touch him. You can hit him. When you move your head from too far away, Ken, what happens is you're kind of, you're exposing what you're doing to the guy at a distance where you're not dangerous because you're too far away to make him pay for missing and you're allowing him to see what you're doing and have a chance to time you before he gets close enough to hurt you, to actually deliver something. When he does move his head from too far away, I see Haney pot-shotting him. Control range, pot-shotting him, bop, 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 and then stepping out again, stepping to the side, trying to fight that kind of fight. It's going to come down to, can Progres put enough pressure on him to break him down to a certain extent to get him to trade with him in a geography that is is better for Progres and not good for Haney instead of on the outside where he does have the edge to counter him coming in. Uh, I also think Progres is going to have to really, really go to the body. He, he's going to have to put in some work to the body, slow down the legs of Haney a little bit, hope to get to him late in the fight. I think Haney's going to be ahead early in the fight. And then it's going to be, if we're going to have a real fight, then we're going to see Progres go to the body, starting to get a little closer, and starting to maybe slow down Haney. If we don't see that, if Haney can just control the geography, you know, as he likes to, then then it's going to be a whitewash for Haney. Uh, at the end of the day, I'm taking Haney to win a well, decision. Let me ask you, me ask you this. Um, for our friends at MyBookie, go to MyBookie.ag and use the promo code ATLAS if you're going to bet on the fight. They'll give you a 50% credit on your first deposit up to $1,000 mybookie.ag the line is plus 300 on regis minus 450 on devin haney you like haney enough to lay 450 i i don't know that i want to lay that kind of wood because pro grace haney haney's got a good chin they both do but they've both been you know shown that they can be hurt in the chin which some people to a certain point in their career don't even show that even though you know that anyone gets caught right, uh, they can be hurt. We we understand. I understand that, but there's been times where a lot of people question the the, the whiskers, if you will, on Haney. That he's you know that he you could get his attention there a little bit. Progres is a bigger guy. Progres. There's always a chance if he can land, maybe he can hurt him, and he can win that way, obviously. Uh, Haney's thinking he can hurt. I'm sure he's thinking he can hurt Progres, who I think got dropped in his last fight against a guy who's not a big puncher, but it's one of those things where I don't remember exactly what happened, but he got caught just right. It might have been a flash sort of thing, whatever. I'm sure that gives confidence to Haney that, hey, I can hurt That confidence could hurt him. Because that could make him fight Progress's fight in close enough quarters where Progress does have the one chance really to upset the apple cart, to be close enough to land big and hurt him. I'm not I'm not laying that. I I'm not gonna lay that because of what I just laid out there. But I do like Haiti to win, not enough to lay almost five hundred dollars, four hundred dollars. But what is the over under? 
minus 600 on the over, plus 325 on the under. Okay, here's where I'm going to give you value on a play, hopefully. Uh, I, I like Haiti. You want to go? You got that extra money? Go ahead. But I don't want to lay that much. So, I, although I can understand why the bookmakers made it where it's prohibitive to bet the over because everyone thinks it's going to go over. I, I understand that. I'm going to take a small play on the under. I'm going to take a small play on the under. That if Haiti's really on, I got both sides giving me a chance in my mind to make an argument for the under where I'm getting back a lot of money. One is, if Haney's on that night, he could really he could really be a sharpshooter, a surgeon, with pro grades coming in from too far away and maybe get something done to get out to the showers early. Maybe. Not as likely because obviously the lines tell you it's not as likely. They're, what, they're telling you it's going to be over. But on the other side of why I could take a little play on the under is what I said already. If Progress is going to win, I think he has to hurt him. I don't think he's necessarily going to win a decision. I think he's going to have to hurt him. I think he's going to have to get close enough as the bigger man to land a bigger punch on a man who's naturally smaller. And that both of those reasons give me enough of a reason to take a shot on the under and hope that, you know, I could get a little extra in my Christmas stocking because, you know, they're, they're not offering coal over there. They're, they're offering uh, some nice dollars. Over in Haney, you can get even money on the... Uh, Why didn't you parlay? tell me that earlier? Good. I like that play. <laughs> that's a parlay. I like that yep. play. I will go. That's yep. my play. I'll still put a little on the under, hoping that, you know... My stocking gets really filled um, yeah. with, with extra stuff. But I like that play. I'm going to take the over and Haney at even money. I'm, I'm taking that all day. I love that. Why did you wait till the last second to I, tell me that? <laughs> I was looking it up. I'm looking on my feed. I didn't even have the over-under. Rob must have got his updated, so he's telling me on the te- on the chat that it's even money. I'm trying to look. My my up, my up My bookie feed I'm wasn't updated. I'm glad updating. you saw it. I'm so glad we didn't get <laughs> we off the air. Done. I'm so glad we didn't get off the air without seeing that. I like, I, I still take a little play against myself for that extra money, just a very small play, but I'm going to go for the under, but I'm going to go with uh, Paul A. I love it almost as much as I love your haircut. Uh, I'm going to go, <laughs> I'm going to go with the over and Haney winning, uh, you know, Haney winning the fight. Love it. All right. Well, I uh, I hope you win your bet, but I hope Regis wins the fight more. And uh, that's a good. That was a very thorough uh, breakdown of all the action from this past weekend. Obviously, we'll be back next week at, next week with the full coverage of the Haney uh, Pro Gray fight. But um, you got anything else, Teddy? Before we say goodbye. No. What I always have, maybe not in my voice box coming out, but always in my mind and my heart that everyone can kind of show more care for each other uh, every day. Uh, I'm trying to do that. I, I hope we can all do that. 
And let me say that if you're looking for last-minute Christmas gifts, you can check out Teddy's book. It's also available, the Audible version, on audible.com. Atlas, From the Streets to the Ring, A Son's Struggle to Become a Man. Excellent book. I've listened to it a couple of times while I've been running. And you can also get yourself some fresh boxing gear at boxraw.com. Check out the Teddy Atlas 36 collection over there if you're looking for some um, Christmas gifts. And, of course, the um, dynamic striking videos are always there available if you're looking to learn the fundamentals of boxing. But with that, please leave a review. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. You know the routine. Anything you can do to support the show would be much appreciated. We love having you guys with us every week. And... um, Teddy, thanks for uh, doing this again. God bless everybody. All right, we'll see you guys next week.